If you've been with us any length of time, you know that we are, we have been in a series of messages about healthy church. Four weeks ago, uh, Michael spoke about healthy culture. You know, a church that has a healthy culture is a church that is what it should be. And then we talked about healthy mission. Michael talked about that. Last week, if you were with us, you know Matt Young spoke about healthy members. Well, today I have an opportunity to speak to you and to us and challenge us about healthy leaders. And I know as soon as I say that, you know, our minds go to, oh, that's the other people. That's the people at the top that we're going to be talking about. Well, I'm hoping that you'll hear by the end of the message, "Mm, that could be all of us is what we're going to be talking about. You know, it could be argued, and, and rightfully so, that, hey, what, what's wrong with you guys? You know, why did you put the healthy leaders last? Don't you know, as the leaders go, so goes the organization? You know, if, if, a, if an organization has unhealthy leaders, the organization will be unhealthy. So if the church has unhealthy leaders, or if the church has healthy leaders, you know, the church will actually follow the leaders. So why didn't you put this message at the beginning of this series versus at the end? That would be a very good argument. And that would make perfect sense. But I hope you're going to understand, why did we intentionally put the leader's piece last? Because we did this on purpose. It wasn't by happen chance. And it wasn't because, you know, some of us was on vacation and, you know, this is just the way it worked. No, it was intentionally done this way. Because uh, we feel we have a cultural value here of where our leaders are at in the organizational chart. You know, when you think about a leader, though, what do you think about? If I asked you, what is a leader? What would you say? Most of us would be thinking about someone who is the CEO or the president or the boss or the manager. It's somebody with a title. Most of us would think, well, the leader has got to be the one with the most experience or the leader that's the one that has all the answers or the one that knows all the information about a certain product or a certain procedure. That, the leader is the one that you know, is the most gifted, But is that always true? Is the leader always that person? I would argue maybe not. You know, sometimes it's the case. You know, let me just give you my definition of what a leader is. A leader is anyone who exercises influence. You know, they may not have the greatest education. They may not have the title. They may not have the position. They may not have the most experience, but for whatever reason, they exercise influence over a group of people or an organization uh, that moves them in a certain direction. You know, uh, last night, we, my wife and I just came back from eight days of family vacation with our two adult kids, their spouses, so there's six of us, that are adult leaders. We all have some kind of leadership role in what we do for a living. And, and so we have, there's six adult leaders, eight of us on a family vacation. You can imagine what that's like. Then you put in two aspiring younger leaders, influencers, that when things are going their way, they are just thrilled and happy. But if things don't go their way, they can try to influence the rest of us to get in a very bad place very quickly. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have done those family vacations with little aspiring influencers. It was quite fun. But my point is this. Anyone can be an influencer. You don't have to have the greatest education or the highest degree or uh, position, the title. You don't have to have the, the experience to influence a crowd. All you have to do is have a voice or an attitude, you know, and, and you can drive the rest of the people around you to a certain place. All leaders lead and create influence by what's going on on the inside. Think about that. You think about the great leaders in our past, whether they led in a good place or led in a bad place. Their leadership was rooted in what was going on on the inside. And so that's, you know, that's why someone this small or tall can, if something bad is going on on the inside, they can throw a fit. Can I say that? You guys know what that means, right? That's, that's Southern. In other words, they have a temper tantrum. 
They can have a temper tantrum. I know you guys don't know what throwing a fit means. But we were in Gatlinburg, so I'm decompressing here. So throwing a fit, you know, when you're this size, is because something wrong is going on on the inside. And if the other leaders that are around, the one that's not got something good going on on the inside, starts getting bad things going on the inside, it becomes very ugly very quick. But if the leaders that are surrounding that little one are in a healthy place, it can be resolved pretty quickly. Now, it's normal for this size to have a temper tantrum. It's not normal for leaders that are this size to have a temper tantrum, nor should they. And if they do, would you call them healthy or unhealthy? Unhealthy, right? All leaders influence and they lead by what's going on inside. Leaders who are healthy are able to do healthy things. Leaders who are unhealthy cannot and do not do healthy things. So basically what I'm saying is when a leader is healthy emotionally and spiritually, they're in a far better place to lead and influence others in a good direction. Wouldn't you agree? And they are not only capable of making good decisions when they're healthy emotionally and spiritually, but they're also able to make tough decisions when the situation calls for it. And they're able to make those tough decisions. You know, when, when one's this size is having a meltdown, the rest of us better be in a good place to help that little one get into a better place. And the same is true for adults. You know, when you think about leaders... I want you to think about positions of leadership. And the normal default leadership position is leading from up front, wouldn't you say? Normally we think the leader is the leader that's up front. The leader is the one that's up front, sets the pace, sets the direction, sets the destination for the rest of the group. The leader that's up front does that. And we normally think that's the way leadership works. But true leadership also has two other positions. You know, there is leading from the middle or from the side. And leading from the side or from the middle is where an influencer may not have that uh, title of CEO or, or president, but they're influencing the crowd or the other groups in the, uh, in the, in the me members of the group in a good place or in a bad place. So they can influence from the middle. You can also lead from behind. You know, and, and we often don't think well, if you're in the back, how can you be a leader? Well, I want you to think about the, the most significant uh, metaphor for leaders in the, the, in the Scripture, in the Bible, whether Old or New Testament. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Pastors are to be shepherds. Leaders are to be shepherds. Shepherd, shepherd, shepherd is synonymous for leadership. But if you know anything about shepherding, you know that the leader, the shepherd, that's the leader of the flock, sometimes that flock, sometimes that flock leader or that shepherd is in the front of the, of the herd. Sometimes the, the shepherd is in the middle and sometimes the shepherd is in the back. So if you ever see them move through the fields, um, they, they change positions. Healthy leaders can lead from any position. They don't have to be up front. They can be in the middle or they can be in the back. So healthy leaders can influence from any of these positions. Also, when you think about leadership, there are basically or primarily three leadership styles. Now I want you to think about the leaders in your life, the leaders that have been major influences, influencers in your life, whether they're teachers or bosses or you know, parents, you think as I describe these styles of leadership, the leadership that you're naturally maybe drawn to or you can identify most easily. Four primary leadership styles. The first one is the relational or the shepherding leader. This is the leader that comes alongside people. It's the encourager, the one that, you know, likes to kind of just make sure everybody is taken care of. Then there's the charismatic leader. This is the leader that leads from strong personality. The leader that is, you know, the life of the party, the one that's the most outspoken, you know, the one that's got the biggest personality that everybody kind of naturally listens to and gravitates to. Then there's the visionary leader. This is the person that has, you know, this is where we're going and this is why we're going there. Everybody get behind me. Let's go. 
the visionary leader. And then there's the ideas leader. And the ideas leader is the one that has, you know, the thought, the process, you know, what does it take to get from point A to point B and C and D and E? You know, they know what the system should be. You know, they're the leader that teaches, or that leads through teaching, leads through ideas, leads through words. And when you think about the leaders in your life, and maybe if you're a leader, you can probably identify with one of those four primary leadership styles, right? Let me say this again. Healthy leaders may have a primary leadership style, but they're able to adapt their leadership need into the situation and lead from any of these four positions, any of these four styles. And at times they may have, you know, they may step into a situation and lead as a shepherd. At other times they may lead as, you know, with ideas and with words. So healthy leaders are capable of leading from any of those styles. All right, so enough about generic leadership. Let me get specific about church leaders. Who are the church leaders? Who are the leaders in the church? Aren't you glad you asked that question? I knew you were. Almost every church, and it's normal that every church in the New Testament, every church since the New Testament, usually begins with a solo pastor, you know, a primary leader. And they are the visionary, they're the shepherd, they're the ones with the words and the ideas and the direction and the, the personality. And that is normal. That was the way it was at the beginning of the church. That's still the way it functions. But as God continues to bless and grow that church and multiply you know, the people in the church, God does something amazing. He brings other leaders in. And he multiplies the leaders. And as he brings more leaders into the church, you know, there are others that influence and give direction and care and shepherd and uh, give ideas and words. And, you know, it multiplies the leadership. So what I'm saying is, if we look carefully at the Bible, especially the New Testament, beginning in the book of Acts to the book of Revelation, we read about the New Testament church or the early church and we read about how God multiplies leaders in the church. And it's normal and it's expected. That's why at Village Church, we embrace, we encourage a multiplicity of leaders. We don't have one leader in this church. This is not a dictatorship. You know, the church was never designed to be that. The church was designed to have a multiplicity of leaders. And that's the way it should work today as well in churches. You know, and, and when we think about these church leaders, you know, normally we think of the elders, the pastors, the deacons, the missionaries, right? And those are all named in Scripture. But there are other influencers as well. You know, now with those names that I just gave you, or titles, I want to ask you a simple question. Are those the only leaders that were mentioned in the New Testament? in the New Testament church, pastor, elder, deacon, missionaries, or were there other leaders that were mentioned? Well, let me point out something to you. Because we generally think those are the leaders and those are the only leaders. And I would argue that that's not the case. Because if we look carefully at any of the, the epistles, any of the church letters, any of the writings of Paul, Peter, you know, Luke, we're going to see that the church had other influencers Many of the other leaders had no title. They were not called by, you know, pastor, elder, deacon, or missionary. But they were people that influenced others, discipled others, that furthered the gospel, that encouraged, that, that equipped. There were other people that did some amazing things for the early church. There were also some that are mentioned, sadly, that were just the opposite. They were people that, that were influencers for the wrong reason. They, they distorted the gospel, some of them. Some of them got into ministry for, you know, and was trying to get into leadership, you know, just to build their own kingdom. There were, there were some leaders that, that influenced others and hurt, you know, not only the apostles and the disciples, but hurt the churches. But they were influencers. And sadly, that is the way it works in many churches today. We have others that lead the church in a bad direction because they're influencers. But remember what I said? Leaders always lead from what's going on on the inside. 
Leaders that are healthy on the inside are not going to do those things. They're not going to lead you or lead the church in a bad place. Every church has influencers. Therefore, every church has a multiplicity of leaders. And the question that we should be asking are, what kind of leaders are they? What kind of leaders are they? What do, are they leading the church to do and be? How are they directing and influencing the church? How are they exercising their leadership within the church? Are they leading from a place of personal, emotional health and spiritual health or spiritual and emotional unhealth? We should be asking those questions of every church leader in any church. We should, and we have every right to do that. Every church needs to remember that it is both a privilege and a responsibility to lead God's church. We need to remember that. It's a calling that God has placed on his church leaders. It's not something that, you know, that, that you can just volunteer for. You're either called to it, you know, or, or, or you're not. If God calls you, he's going to equip you as a leader. But God and his church should expect his leaders to lead with health and lead with excellence. Wouldn't you agree? Shouldn't you expect that? Don't you think God expects that? You can talk. So who should be the leaders in the church? Well, I've already mentioned, it, you know, the main leader should be the elders, pastors, and deacons. Clearly, that's what's spoken of in the Bible. But I would argue, and, and I think what, what you'll see as we talk through this today, other leaders in the church should also step into, you know, some of these leadership roles and some of these responsibilities and these privileges, you know, the verses that we're going to be looking at here in a few minutes are specifically addressed to elders, pastors, and deacons. And that, that goes without argument, without, you know, without any kind of conflict. But what we're about to read from the New Testament, I think applies almost completely to other leaders within the church. And it, I, I would argue that it would clearly talk towards leaders who are healthy in the church would fall in, fall in line with what we're about to read. So let's talk about healthy leaders are. So turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And if you want to, you can turn over to Titus chapter 1. And I'm going to read some longer, a longer portion of Scripture than we normally do. And I'm going to let it speak for itself for the most part. You know, there are certain character qualities that Matt spoke about last week. If you were here last week, he talked about character qualities that church members should exhibit. Those, all of those should be exhibited in our church leaders. But the Bible goes even further to talk about very, very specific character qualities that the church leaders should exhibit. You know, when God gives the reins, and I want you to think about this. When God gives the reins over to his, his church, over to human beings, he is expecting a, 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 a character of those leaders that should surpass what is normal, should, should surpass what worldly leaders actually exhibit. Would you agree with that? You think about it. God is the one that instituted the church. Jesus is the one who died for the church. He has turned over his church to human beings that are sinful, that make mistakes, that are not perfect. Wow. And that's his church that he died for. But he should, and, and I think rightfully so, have the right to say, the leaders of my church are going to be here. This is the bar set for them. Would you agree? Thank you. So remember, all leaders lead from what's on the inside. And church leaders who are healthy, they help and heal people. Now, I was, I was really impressed, sadly, that a couple of weeks ago, Michael asked for a raise of hands and said, how many of you have been hurt by other church leaders at some time in your, in your Christian life? And almost half the hands went up. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but, you know, there are a lot of us in this room that have been hurt by other church leaders. 
And I will guarantee you this, if they hurt you, if they hurt you and were not just trying to correct you or help you, if they really hurt you, they were not in a place of spiritual or emotional health. I will guarantee you that. I've never experienced a healthy church leader hurt me intentionally, on purpose, and, and, and carelessly. And I'm guessing you probably haven't either. Church leaders who are unhealthy on the inside, they will constantly hurt, frustrate, and harm God's people and God's church. Agreed? Amen. Every church leader leads from what's on the inside. The specific character traits that, that God calls his church leaders to do and to exhibit should be observed easily by those people inside the church and by those outside the church. And that is a piece, that last statement is something that we often miss in church life. We think, well, if a person has a good reputation inside the church, that, that qualifies them for leadership inside the church. And the question, though, is how are they viewed, how is their character viewed by those outside the church? And you're going to see that's exactly what Scripture says. There's three main categories about character qualities for leaders that are healthy or unhealthy. And we're going to see these in the Scripture. We're going to look at their marriage and their home life. Is it good or is it not so good? How about their emotional maturity? How about their spiritual maturity? Those, those are the three main categories that, that are character qualities characteristics that God requires of his church leaders. Their marriage and their home, their emotional maturity, and their spiritual maturity. And these character qualities, you're going to see, I'm going to make a harsh statement, are not up for debate or negotiation. They're, you're going to see in Scripture, they, they are not negotiable. You cannot say, well, you know what, we want to appoint a new leader. We're going to bring a new leader in. We pull out the list of character qualities. You know what, they match six of these 12, so we're going to put them in, and they'll grow into those other six. No, that's not what Scripture says. I don't want you to think this as well. While none of the leaders of any church, whether healthy or unhealthy, especially healthy, if they, they are not going to match what we're about to read 100% perfect every time. But they will be on a trajectory and they will be moving in this area clearly that all people can see. So let's see what Paul has to say. And I'm going to just read. And again, I'm going to do very little exposition. I'm not going to do any real exegesis here. I'm just going to let the scripture speak just for itself. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Um, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3. This, is, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up uh, with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, Remember what I said? Those outside the church? So that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Then we move on to deacons. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons, if they, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanders, not, uh, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Is it clear enough? Pretty clear, right? I mean, 
What more can I say? Turn over to Titus chapter 1. So Paul addressed these words to young Timothy about future leaders in the church. Now he's going to talk to Titus for the very same reason. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is, there's that word again, above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as as God's stewards, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm the the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to instruct in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Is it any clearer? The expectation, the bar that's set for church leaders. And I know this is specifically spoken to about pastors, elders, and deacons. I I get that. But I would argue that that is the bar for all all church leaders. If, If the church and the church leaders are going to exhibit these character qualities and, and if you find a leader that matches up to these character qualities, you're going to find a leader that is far better, in a far better place to make good decisions, to love people, to shepherd well, to do the right things. Agreed? Agreed? And if necessary, make the tough call when it requires it. All right, so let's now go on to what about healthy church leaders do? What do healthy church leaders do? Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Remember what I've been saying? All leaders lead from what's on the inside. Healthy church leaders are able to heal and to help. Unhealthy church leaders hurt, frustrate, and harm not only the people but the gospel. So before a church leader can do the right things, there's got to be the right things going on on the inside. Agreed? Agreed? So what we're about to look at in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter's going to talk about, now remember Peter? He's the guy who was the leader of the church. He made a lot of mistakes in his early years of ministry. He's matured. He's, he's, he's learned from those mistakes. He's now training and equipping and preparing God's people and God's future leaders for ministry. And he's going to say some things that are very, very interesting to me. What he's going to say is not just what, what church leaders do. Because it is important what they do. But what he's going to talk about here in this passage is why and how church leaders do the right things. You know, healthy church leaders aren't perfect. None of us are. But I can guarantee you this, that a healthy church leader who makes mistakes or makes a mistake every now and then will be far quicker to repent, to change, to confess, to get back on the right position, the right place. They'll be far better to do that. An unhealthy church leader who makes mistakes, they'll be defensive, they'll be arrogant, they'll be puffed up, they won't admit wrong. But a healthy church leader does not behave or act that way. And once again, what I'm about to read in 1 Peter chapter 5 doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. It doesn't need an exegesis of the Greek language. It's, it's pretty clear. So let me just read to you the what, why, and how of what church leaders do. So he says, I exol- I ex- So I exold the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. This is what he's telling him. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. 
Pretty clear, isn't it? The what and the why and the attitude that should be manifest in a healthy leader. You know, what leaders do is really important. What they do matters. You know, what the duties and responsibilities, what are they for church leaders? I think we would agree that the responsibility of a church leader is first and foremost to keep their own lives, their own hearts, healthy emotionally and spiritually. Wouldn't you, you agree? I mean, it, it starts here. It starts on the inside. And then second, their responsibility is to be an example to the flock, to be an example, to model what health emotionally and spiritually looks like to the people of God's church. Then, then they need to make sure that the church and its people are, are staying on track, being cared for, advancing the gospel, moving forward to honor God and to worship him. Those are the responsibilities, the duties of church leaders. And this is, this is the thing that I find different in a church as a leader versus a business model. Business leaders, they want to advance the bottom line. They want to move the company forward or the business forward, <clears throat> often for personal gain. That's not the way it is in the church world. Church leaders that are healthy, they don't care who gets the credit. They don't care, you know, that, you know, they're the ones up front. They don't care, you know, that, you know, they have a, a platform or a position. They don't care about that. What they care about is, is God's people or are, are God's people, are they being cared for? Are we moving in a good direction as a church? Are people being ministered to? If people need, you know, uh, encouragement, are we giving that to them? If they need discipline, are we lovingly disciplining them? That is what a healthy church leader is going to do. Let me just give you the, you know, the ones that are mentioned in Scripture that we've been talking about. What are the primary duties that bless and benefit the church body? Well, as, an, as elders, elders have you know, the 3D responsibility, what I call the 3D. Doctrine, direction, and discipline for the congregation. They need to make sure that the elders, they make sure that the doctrine of the church is correct, that the direction that the church is going is the right direction, and if there's discipline that needs to take place, it is on the shoulders and on the responsibility of the elders. The pastors have the responsibility of preaching and teaching, of daily operation of ministries to oversee other ministry areas for shepherding God's people, for caring for you know, God's flock. The deacons, and Michael talked about that a few weeks ago from the book of Acts, when God brought in deacons for the church, the deacons were the servants. They were to serve the body. They were to serve the elders. They were to care for and regularly you know, come alongside the people of God's, God's family. So let's talk about village church. Now, I've been talking about the church as a whole. Let's get down to... What about village church? Is there something different about village church and village church leaders and village church leadership culture? And I would argue yes. Healthy village church leaders. At village church, a village church, we have elders, pastors, and deacons. We have missionaries. But we also have ministry directors. And, and I know that, you know, some, if you're new to the church, you're going to hear this term. Well, they're an MD, and they're an MD. And, and when I first came here, I thought, who are all the doctors? What, what do they operate on? I mean, what, what practice do they have? I mean, how, how, we have that many doctors in the church? MD stands for ministry director. They have a specific area of ministry that they oversee and that they care for, you know, like women's ministry or men's ministry or, you know, hospitality ministry. They're, they're you know, global outreach, local outreach. Those are all areas of responsibility that we have in this church. And it multiplies the responsibility and also the influence of the church uh, through multiple leaders. But we also have other leaders. We have community group leaders who function as pastors in, in a congregation that may be 8 to 12 people, or in some cases a little bigger than that. You know, um, we have other 
leaders that volunteer, you know, in youth ministry and student ministry or uh, children's ministry or adult ministry. They teach or they, they train or they do other things. We have a multiplicity of leaders in this church. We have volunteers and some of these um, positions are paid, but most of them are volunteers at Village Church. Just let me share with you just a couple of thoughts here. You know, when we think about all the leaders at Village Church, all the leaders, whether it's elders at the bottom or, you know, a volunteer in a ministry area at the top, all of the leaders at Village Church are responsible to uphold correct doctrine, to make sure the gospel is the mission of the church, to guard and keep a healthy church culture, to make good decisions, to train and release other leaders and equip them for ministry. I want to get very specific, and I want to share with you some statements that other than staff and a few leaders in our church, most of you have never seen and never heard. So we're going to share with you kind of behind the curtain where, or where is Village Church different than other churches, you know, when it comes to leadership? What do we think at Village Church about leaders? And once again, I'm going to be very candid. These are not up for debate or negotiation. You either get these or you don't. Um, and if you're going to be a leader at this church, then you will embrace and you will, you know, you will function with all six of these statements. So this is our Village Church Leadership Value Document. It is a document that this is how much we value a certain kind of leader at this church. There's six statements, and then under each statement, there's a little you know, understatement, and there's going to be a phrase for each of these. Number one, Village Church, we are a servant leadership, a servant leadership church. You know, Village Church fights for inverted leadership. A few weeks ago, if you were here, Michael gave you a, a, a chart, and it looked like a, an upside-down V, or actually a V. It looked like a V, where normally in most of the business worlds, you know, your CEO, your president, your boss is at the top of the chart, of your org chart. Well, at Village Church, our elders and pastors are down here. We're at the bottom. We're at the bottom of the chart. And we believe healthy leaders push health up. Unhealthy leaders push unhealth down. And so there is a reason that, remember I told you, we put the leaders at the, at the end of this series. We fight for servant leadership. And I know, I know that statement has been made in a hundred, if not a thousand different churches, that we're a servant leader, or, or this person is a servant leader. But what does that mean? Do they really function as a servant? Well, we have this phrase, you may report to me, but I work for you. Now that puts teeth to that statement, doesn't it? How many church leaders can say, you may report to me, but I work for you? Many churches can't say that, but our church does, and we embrace that statement. Number two, Village Church prioritizes decentralized leadership. This is what we mean by that. Point leaders closest to the action make the decision. We are not a dictatorship here at Village Church. Every decision does not have to be run through the lead pastor or through any of the other pastors or through the elders. Every decision does not need to be run through them. People that are in the leadership trenches, people that are closest to the action, are encouraged and, and given the privilege to make the decision that they feel is best. If they need feedback, if they need input, if they need you know, a sounding board, they can always talk to us. All right? But the leaders that are at the closest of the action get to make the decisions. And we push it out. We encourage them to do so. Number two, we're a team-building church. Village church teams are collaborative. There are no silos at Village Church. You know, we have a men's ministry, a women's ministry. All these ministries have areas of responsibility, but many of our, our events, it's all hands on deck. And you don't know, well, that person is a ministry director or that person is an elder. Well, they're down there picking up trash. What, what's that all about? There's no silo here. 
There's no silos. Every ministry crosses over all the time. And we're a team. There's nothing better than being on a team full of healthy leaders. And there's nothing worse than being on a team full of unhealthy leaders. You are not... And so we make this statement. Village Church is a team-building church. Village Church are collaborative. We share ideas. We talk with one another. And we make this statement often at each other. You're not the smartest guy in the room. Now, that was supposed to be funny. All right? You're not the smartest guy in the room. You're not the smartest guy in the room. Often, for pride reasons, we think we're the smartest guy in the room. And we may be. But we don't say that. We don't say that we're the smartest guy in the room. We may be the most experienced, or we may have the most insight, or we may have the most influence, or know the most information, have the most information about a given situation. But we're a collaborative team, and we encourage that. Village Church teams are evaluating. Every event that we ever do at Village Church, it doesn't matter whether it is the Easter egg hunt that thousands of people come to, or if it's you know, a small event that you know, maybe a few you know, dozen come to. We do an evaluation after every event because we realize that what we, what we touch, nothing that we touch will be the best it can be. So we evaluate everything. We ask questions like, okay, on that event, what went well? What didn't go well? What do we want to continue to do? What do we want to change? Do we want to even do this event again? You know, we're evaluating every event. And we do that in a spirit of cooperation. No one's job is on the line. You know, we're just trying to make things better. We measure everything because we measure what we value. Number three, we're a digital church. We are committed at Village Church to be digital. And I think if you've been here any length of time, you know how much we push out digital information. And we're, it's not over yet, folks. So if you're not, if you're not enjoying it yet, um, it's going to get harder to enjoy because we're having video training, we're, we're having more digital you know, platforms for, for all kinds of stuff. You know, because we realize that we're in a, a time and a culture that all the people of the church, and we're at a certain size, if we're going to have a meeting, you know, we can't get 64 community group leaders in a meeting at one time. It's not going to happen. But we can do it differently. So we make these statements about digital. We create digital, digital, shareable, and helpful content to help make disciples who grow, grow, and overcome. That's our mission statement. We fight the battle of ministry on the front lines of technology. We want to give away what we, what we create, what we embrace, what we want to equip others with. We give it away. And we want to do that and continue to do that. Number four, we are a family church. I struggle with this one because of some recent history. You can be the greatest, most experienced leader and not embrace this and be in trouble at Village Church. As Village continues to grow, as God continues to multiply and bring new people in, in ministry roles and leadership roles and pastoral roles, you know, God is going to continue to multiply this church's leadership base. And this is a key point that we are a loyal family. First and foremost, you know, we, we have these phrases. Village Church is my family, my community, and my ministry. Let me make this statement. It is not just my job. If, if we ever get to the point where we're hiring people just because they are, you know, the all-time greatest women's ministry director, all right? They're just awesome. No, 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 I'm not talking about Lisa, all right? Lisa's great. But say someday, you know, we get to the point where we're going to hire, you know, you know, the big name, you know, women's ministry director. By the way, guys, I'm talking from personal experience. Live this world. It is painful. If they don't get the fact that this is my family, this is my life, this is the people I love to spend time with, if it's just a job, you know what? They're not right for Village Church. They're not right. Village Church is my community, my ministry, my family. Village Church is my home. You've got to embrace that to be a leader here at Village Church. Number two, or the second phrase under that, Village Church is an authentic family. Maybe some of you are going to be offended by these statements. Village Church has no room for fluff and gimmicks. 
We're not a fluff and gimmick, lights and smoke. We're not of that. That's not who we are. We have a high BS radar. You understand what that means. Hmm? I'm glad you left. Yeah. I love this statement. And this goes back to that family business. You know, I am your brother before I am your pastor. I am your brother before I am your elder. I am your brother before I am your church leader. And whether you're in a leadership role at the very bottom of our chart or somewhere in the middle, we all say, I am your brother, I am your sister before I am your ministry director before I'm the one you report to. Because remember, you may report to me, but I serve you, right? Number five, we're a what-if church. What if? Village Church values visionary leaders. Each fall, we're starting this process right now about creating a budget. And we don't say, well, you know what? Last year we gave that ministry $5,000 and, you know, they did okay, so we're going to give them another $5,000. We don't do that when it comes to budget. We say, okay, what is your, what is your, your goals? What, what are you trying to achieve in, in ministry, in your ministry in the coming year? And a lot of times, truthfully, a lot of times we'll have new things that come up throughout the year that, you know what, in, in, January, I'm sorry, in September or October, we had no idea this was coming in May. But you know what, as leaders, you know what we do? We say, you know what, that's a great plan. That's a great vision. I know it just came up in May in the middle of the year. We're going to fund that because that's worth having because that's a vision that we're worth, worth investing in. So we do that. Number six, we're a so what church. Village Church releases cultural, uh, culture-created uh, disciples. We aren't making smart Christians. We're releasing discerning disciples. You know, there are some churches that all they do is just pour information into their messages. They pour information, you know, from the Greek or the Hebrew. And all that's important, and I've studied all that, and that, that's, that's worthwhile and great. But we are always going to say, okay, so what? What are you going to do with what we've said? What are you going to do with what you've been trained to do? What are you going to do with the information that's been shared? We're a so what. Every message ends with so what. We aren't making smart, uh, smart Christians. We're, we're releasing discerning disciples. And then village church directly challenges cultural lies. If you've been in this church a year, you know that there is nothing that cultural, culturally challenging that is going on in the world that we don't hit head on. We will go after those things. We have this statement. The church puts the culture on trial. The, the culture does not put the church on trial. And that's where we're at as village church. So what? Let's talk about the so what. You know, somebody asked earlier, you know, so Tim, are you preaching you're going to speak about us, you know, what we're doing wrong. No, what I'm talking about today is what we at Village Church are doing right. We have an incredible healthy church culture here. And what I would invite you to consider is consider what is God doing in your life? Is God stirring up your heart saying, you know what, I've been on the sideline for long enough. I've been in this church for three months, six months, and I'm really not serving anywhere. It, maybe it's time that God is stirring you up to say, you know what, maybe it's time to jump into some leadership position. And again, it may be serving once a month in a, a certain area, maybe serving every week. It may be serving in some, jump involved. If you're serving, remember what I said? You're an influencer, you're a leader. Maybe God is stirring in your heart to jump in and, and become a leader somewhere in this church. Then again, you may already be serving in some area of ministry. And God is stirring in your heart to get deeper involved, take on more responsibility, take on a greater challenge. Maybe God is doing that in your heart that he says, you know what, it's, you, you're doing good here, but it's time to take on more. Maybe God is doing that in your heart. Take out that next step card and let us know. How can we follow up with you? How can we help you? You know, maybe you have, you know, a, an inkling that God is prompting you to say, you know what, I want to get involved in this, and I just need to talk to somebody about this ministry. Let us know so we can follow up with you. Maybe God's prompting you to maybe step into even a bigger role, you know, a greater responsibility. 
Maybe a, a ministry director, maybe a deacon, maybe a pastor. You know, God still does that, right? He still calls people into pastoral ministry, maybe into an elder position here. Maybe God's prompting you that way. Let us know and how we can help you. The last thing I want to say is, so what? Pray for your leaders of this church. And I don't mean just the elders, pastors, and deacons. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all the people that are influencers here at this church. Pray for them. You know, my daughter and I talked while we're on vacation. You know, 10 hours in a car, you get a lot of time to talk. And um, she asked me this. Uh, they live down south in, in Chicago area. She says, Dad, why are pastors so transient? Oh, well, that's a good word. Um, that was a good word. But that was a good question. Why are pastors so transient? Why do pastors, Dad, why do pastors only last, you know, three to five years in most churches? And I said, honey, I, after 35 years in ministry, I can tell you why. You know, they, they feel like they have to be the one with all the answers. They're the ones that's got to be the visionary, the shepherd. They're the ones that got to do everything. They get burned out. They don't feel that they're being encouraged. That's why most pastors get to the point where, oh, it's going to be, grass is going to be greener in that next church. And it doesn't happen. One of the things that's unique about village churches, if you're in a family, you've got a support system that's there with you all the time. But we can always do better. It's always good to encourage your leaders, pray for them, talk with them, challenge them when we need to be challenged. Remember, healthy church leaders, when confronted, are going to confess, they're going to repent, they're going to make things right. Unhealthy leaders that are confronted will get defensive and prideful, and they'll go on the offensive, they'll attack. I can share with you, most of the leaders here, if not all of the leaders here, and I'm need to just be clear, our leaders here will not go on the defensive. If you need to talk to them about something hard, we want to hear it. All right? Pray for one another because we're all in a leadership role, an influencing role in some way or another. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that uh, you've given us your word that is so crystal clear. My, I mean, just how clear your word is about what a leader and a healthy leader should look like at, at your church. Lord, each of us that are in positions of leadership and in positions of, of influence and opportunities to serve counted a great privilege. So Lord, thank you for raising up multiple leaders here at Village Church. Lord, thank you that we can serve alongside brothers and sisters as we further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.